0: There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android, or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective.
1: Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly, it's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all.
2: Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Angry, Angry Neighborhood, Neighborhood Feminist. Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. Is it? It is. Thank you. And this week, we are going to be talking about something that we have touched on many times in the past. Yes. We touched on it in our last full-length episode with Skylar White. We touched on it in our last mini-episode with Donald Trump. And we touched on it in our Crazy Women episode. Yes, we did. It's something that has come up time and time again. We've also touched on it in our domestic violence episode. So we're going to just bring it all home and talk about the topic as a whole. Whole of gaslighting. So yes, this is something that I feel like is a term that I probably didn't hear until I was in my late teens or my early 20s, but is something that I feel like 90% of people have experienced. Yeah. And probably an even higher percentage of women have experienced. Definitely. Can I general. give us a
1: good definition? Absolutely. Thank you, Wikipedia, for this definition. It says a form of psychological manipulation in which a person seeks to sow seeds of doubt in a targeted individual or in members of a targeted group, making them question their own memory, perception, and sanity. Using persistent denial, misdirection, contradiction, and lying, gaslighting involves attempts to destabilize the victim and delegitimize the victim's belief.
2: Yes, and in addition, gaslighting is classified as a form of narcissistic abuse, Mm -hmm. particularly malignant narcissist. In this case, the narcissist uses the target for validation and esteem while simultaneously detesting the target's victimhood. Yes. Gaslighting is gradual, starting out small, but eventually leading to depression, anxiety, and isolation in the target, making him or her even more dependent on the gaslighter. Yes. So it is definitely a form of psychological, emotional, and mental
1: abuse. Definitely. So the term gaslighting, actually, we've talked about this before on the show. It comes from a movie called Gaslight. But the movie actually comes from a play that was um, performed in 1938 entitled Gaslight, which is also known as Angel Street in the United States. And there are two film adaptations, one in 1940 and one in 1944. So I'm going to get into the fictionalized embodiments of gaslighting. I was thinking more toward the end after we've talked about it. Absolutely, because this shows up in the media over and over and over
2: again, particularly when you are dealing with relationships and almost always the person being gaslit Is a a woman. woman. Almost always. Yeah,
1: so the term actually started to be used colloquially in the 60s, and the term has been used to describe such behavior in psychoanalytic literature since the 70s. So this word has actually been around for quite some time, um, but I think that it's not something that is used in common social interactions still. Like Keegan said, she didn't hear about this word till later in life. I didn't hear about this word until more recently as well. I feel like very recently
2: like say the last five years the word gaslight or being gaslit has been used a lot more frequently. I think like, we're also
1: talking about emotional abuse a lot more than we did before. Right. We're
2: seeing that word being used a lot more, and we'll get into it a little later on, but particularly, there have been numerous articles written about how Donald Trump is gaslighting America. Yeah. Or, you know, you and I were talking about The Bachelor, and there have been many, many, many articles written about how Luke P. on on this season of The Bachelorette has been gaslighting Hannah. Yeah. So, the word gaslight has become a more common word. Yeah. Uh which is in, good. in our society. It it is good. It's also something just to be very aware of because sometimes when words like this, or depression, anxiety, things that we've talked yeah. about in the past, become become common, they get thrown around and then they lose some of their meaning. Yeah. Um, I do think it's very, very cool just from like an etymology standpoint that a movie a, a play in a movie managed yeah. to actually make its way into something that is uh, commonly used in yeah. psychology
1: because uh, it's because you know, it is honestly a perfect example. It is. It 100%. is. It is. So, do you want
2: to explain a little bit about what happened in that movie that yeah, def- you know coined definitely. that phrase?
1: Yes. So it stars Ingrid Bergman, whom I'm in love with. Oh, she's amazing. She's perfect. Oh, she's perfect. She plays a woman named Paula who's this naive, sweet young girl who witnessed the murder of her aunt slash her guardian in her home at a very young age. She gets sent off to Italy and she wants to become this singer. Her aunt was this, like, famous, famous singer and, um... They were like, you're going to be just like your aunt. You're going to kind of pick up where she left off. You look so much like her, so on and so forth. So you see her in the beginning of the movie. She's a little bit older, and she's singing with her with her maestro. And he's like, you're not feeling the song. You're not feeling the song. She's like, oh, I can't sing about tragedy because I'm so happy right now. And he's like, oh, who's the man? Who's the man? The man turns out to be her um, piano accompanist. His name is Gregory and they fucking gregory fucking gregory right he's played by charles boyer and they so first she's like i've only known you for a week and a half so i need to i need to go away for a week so i can like really think about this think about if i'm going to take my life in this direction and give up my singing and he's like yes of course leave right away so a week comes sooner and she's like okay goodbye i'm going to lake como Peace out. And so she gets on the train. And this part is so funny to me because there's this old woman reading this, like, murder mystery novel. And she's like, I'm from London. And there was this crazy murder. And the girl, Paula, is like, shit, you're talking about my aunt. And she gets really weird. She jumps off the train. And who's there but Gregory? So they flit off to this beautiful villa on Lake Como that is just, like, picturesque and beautiful. And I actually found out that the bed in that scene... That has this really distinct swan carving on it was actually the same bed used to meet me in Saint Louis. Oh, interesting! Which I found really
2: cool. So it's um, probably the same studio. They probably had it. It's on MGM. The lot. It's yeah, MGM. Yeah,
1: yeah. But they had to buy both um, Ingrid Bergman and uh, Charles Boyer from other contracts. So they're there together and they're so in love. So he's like, "Let's just get married." And it's always been a dream of mine to move back to London. She's like, "Lucky for you, I have a home in London that was left to me by was my, my aunt. aunt. Hey, exactly. So they moved back to London." London. And over time, Gregory tells her she's becoming forgetful, fitful, acting irregular. He confines her to the house. He tells everybody in the neighborhood that she's cuckoo bananas. Even the old woman that she was friends with on the train, she always, because this woman wants to get into the house. She's like a true crime nerd.
2: It sounds like the um, short story The Yellow Wallpaper I think that's what that's called. Have I read that? Um, Where like it's sort of the same thing it's like she's insane so I'm just
1: gonna lock her in this room because she's crazy. But he's just kind of like she's unwell she's unwell and everyone's kind of like oh okay and so like even when people come to see her or see him like she talks about wanting to have these beautiful parties like her aunt did and he's just like no 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 no, we can't let you see anybody because you're unwell and they all know you're unwell so that's kind of an ongoing thing every night Gregory leaves the house to quote-unquote work on his composing. She starts to hear knocking on walls. She sees the gas lights dim, and she asks the servants, one of whom is Angela Lansbury. She's 17. It's her first acting role ever. And and it was like her mother or something was... part of the film and they wanted all of the kids to do screen tests and that's how she started acting she had never done a single thing before and she's fantastic in this movie um so she's asking them like did you turn the lights on in the kitchen did you turn the lights on in you know my husband's room and things like that and they're like no ma'am i didn't do any of that and so she's kind of freaking out like what And, and they totally say too like the lights don't seem dim to me you know so she's like okay what's happening here so Little things continue happening. Like, he gives her presents... And it's like, now don't lose this. You've been very forgetful lately. And she's like, I have? Okay, I promise. I'll remember that this brooch is in my bag and then comes home and it's not there. And she's freaking out. And he's like, oh, it's okay, honey. It's okay. You're just being so forgetful. And so all of this kind of stuff keeps going on and on and on. And Gregory eventually even goes on to say that her mother died in an insane asylum and that she, Paula, would end up the same way. And this, like, breaks her. She's like, oh, my gosh, I'm destined to just be insane, basically. And it's it's very weird, and I wish they would have explained this more. I wonder... I know that he told the servants in the house that she's unwell, but I'm wondering, like, how far he got into it because they almost kind of seem like they're on his side. Well, I mean, and that will be something that we can talk about a little bit later,
2: but one of the kind of hallmarks of gaslighting is the gaslighter will often try and get people you know and love and trust Mm -hmm. on their side they Mm -hmm. will say things like oh well your friend thinks this too you know and you know they'll go to your friend and say she's been acting like this so that please watch out
1: for her yeah you can try
2: and get the people that she knows and loves on your side to try and reinforce the fact that she may be mentally unstable
1: exactly. or that she's acting irrationally in some way. Yes. And by the way, I did not spoil anything from that movie. There's so much shit that happens. Like, if you feel like I've ruined some other part of the ending, there's so much shit that goes down in this movie and it's so good. Watch it immediately. Well, I mean, and so essentially the plot of gaslight
2: and the reason why the word gaslighter or gaslight uh, came out of that movie is because the husband is abusive and he is doing his best to convince his wife that she's losing her mind Mm -hmm. and he convinces her that the sounds that she's hearing and the dimming of the gaslights, both of which he is behind, are all in her head. Yeah. Uh, So it is about controlling how she perceives things and using her to cover up his own bad behavior because he is and spoiler alert i guess but this movie is from the 40s so get it together but um he is actually trying to look for a treasure that was in yes, the he's home. looking
1: he's looking for the aunt's jewels right and there's other characters involved like detectives and things like that that kind of help help paula and help the story it's very very good do you want to talk a, l- a little bit about who gaslights we touched on it sure, a little bit as far sure. as the fact that it's a narcissist It's usually narcissist. It's also been known mm-hmm. by sociopaths, and um, sociopaths transgress social mores, break laws, and exploit others. And typically, are convincing liars. They're often charming, and who will deny? And they will deny any of their wrongdoings. They are sometimes physically abusive, and physically abusive spouses make gaslight partners by flat out denying their violence. You know, they will hurt them and then be like, no, I didn't do that. Right. I mean, and
2: also I want to point out the majority of people who suffer from a domestic violence, whether that is actual physical violence or not, um, do suffer from some form of gaslighting. So it doesn't have to be physical. No. Uh, But often with that said... If it becomes a desperate situation for the person who is doing the gaslighting, for it the narcissist, physical. they may threaten violence at some point if it feels like they're going to be outright caught
1: out. Yeah, you know. Yeah, exactly. Gaslighting can also occur in parent-child relationships, which I feel like I've seen. Absolutely. A lot of. I've Absolutely. seen a lot of examples of that. If you look if you watch the show The Act on Hulu, uh which is a, a story about a mother and a daughter, a true story of gyps- Gypsy Rose Blanchard, and it's a story of Munchausen by proxy, but the way that she gaslights her daughter telling her that she can't eat sugar, that she can't walk, all of these kinds of things and is convincing her all of these things, I would consider it to be Gaslighting. Right. And this is a good time
2: to mention that yes, the majority of depictions of gaslighting are relationship Mm -hmm. gaslighting. However, it does happen in parent child relationships. It happens, um, it can happen at your job. It can happen with any authority figure. Maybe it's a law enforcement official. Um, So it can happen in any variety of relationships. It can happen in friendships. There are toxic,
1: manipulative friendships. Exactly. And the whole point for the abuser, is to make the victim dependent on them. And that's why, yes, most examples of gaslighting, especially in popular culture, are between romantic partners. It's anybody who is trying to get you to be dependent on them, whether it be any of the things that Keegan just mentioned.
2: And and I would like to say that most likely you've experienced this. I think that this is something that is fairly universal. I know that I've definitely experienced gaslighting, and I would say that the vast majority of people have uh, in some in some respect.
1: Yeah, reading... I was telling Max yesterday, because he, he was off yesterday while I was doing all my notes, and I just kept, like, chuckling, and I was like, this feels like a therapy session to me, because this reminds me of the relationship that I was in between ages, like, 18 to 21, so obviously that it was just kind of funny to me, where it's like, this motherfucker. Well, like, everything, and, I- and you start to see how you've been affected by things... Like that, as you start to learn about something. You I know? also think that a lot
2: of people who gaslight don't necessarily. There are, of course, straight out and out sociopaths yes. who do things on purpose. Um, I also think that a lot of people who gaslight don't realize that that is what they're doing. I think it can be a conditioned
1: thing from people, right. like with their well, own life experiences. You and
2: know? oftentimes, it's human nature to try and get away with things. Uh, get away with things yeah. and try and brush off responsibility for things. And I think, Nobody wants to feel like they are responsible for their own bad behavior. The, yeah, the bad
1: guy. But so, I, I think that once it's seen that what their tactics are doing works in their favor, that's when it becomes almost more of a conscious decision to do some of these things.
2: Sure. I mean, I think it, I think it can be... I think it can go both ways. I think that there are people who will just gaslight because it's the easy way out of a bad situation, right? They never have to be the bad guy. And if they are, like... it. I think a lot of people can justify to themselves when they are doing something wrong, say cheaters, infidelity, like a lot of that, Yeah, um, that they can justify that it's because of something the other person did. And that's
1: how you sleep at you night, You know what folks. I mean? Yes. Yeah. So, gaslighting degrades the victim and lowers their self-esteem by the abuser ignoring, then attend to, then ignore the victims again. This makes the victim lower their personal bar for what constitutes affection, and they begin to perceive themselves as less worthy of affection.
2: Right, and you start to think things. So, for instance, I know in times when I was being gaslit, it became very easy to think, am I overreacting? Am I overly sensitive? Yes. Am I acting crazy? Is this yeah. normal? Um, m- am I doing something that's pushing the other person away? I think that, especially if you are a people pleaser, and especially if you are a woman, because societally we have been conditioned to take on that kind of like emotional burden and responsibility, it does get easy for you to start thinking those things. If someone is constantly telling you, you are being irrational, you are being too sensitive, you're overreacting, uh, over time, those things can start to feel very real to you. Exactly. And the word for that is actually called the illusory truth effect, and it is a tendency to believe information to be correct after repeated exposure. This phenomenon was first identified in a 1977 study at Villanova University and Temple University. When truth is assessed, people rely on whether the information is in line with their understanding or if it feels familiar. The first condition is logical as people compare new information with what they already know to be true. Repetition makes statements easier to process relative to new, unrepeated statements. Mm -hmm. leading people to believe that the repeated conclusion is more truthful. The illusory truth effect has also been linked to, quote, hindsight bias in which the recollection of confidence is skewed after the truth has been recovered. The illusory truth effect plays a significant role in such fields as election campaigns, advertising, Mm -hmm. news media, and political uh, propaganda. So basically what they're saying is if you hear something over and over and over. You are bound to believe it, whether it is true or not, even if it is just coming from one person. Yeah. And so it is used in relationships. It's also used very often. So keep an eye open for it as we go into this next election campaign, because politicians very often will just say a thing
1: over and over and over
2: and over, over, whether it's true (laughs) or not. Yeah. Because There is something psychologically to hearing that over and over. And something that I hear um, oftentimes with gaslighting in relationships in particular with this bias is, for instance, like if you have a partner who has been unfaithful in the past and you're starting to see things rationally that lead you to believe that perhaps they're being unfaithful now, they may continue to say something like you're just jealous or you're being paranoid because of this last situation. Yeah. And they'll say that over and over to you. And then at some point you might be like, I'm just being jealous. Yeah. And then you realize like, no, 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 I'm not a jealous person. Yeah. They're telling me I'm a jealous person. And you're like,
1: well, maybe they're seeing something in me that I don't see in myself. Right. And yeah. so that
2: has now become your new truth. And yeah. there is something actually psychological about Yes. um, That gaslighters
1: use to their advantage. So I kind of want to touch on the seven warning signs and the three most common methods of gaslighting, if you're cool with that. Sure, yeah, go ahead. All right, so the warning signs, the first one says withholding information from the victim. The second is countering information to fit the abuser's perspective, which I feel like the second one touches on what you were just saying. Mm -hmm. Number three is discounting information. Number four is verbal abuse, usually in the form of jokes, which I feel heavily. That's something I don't think is talked about a lot that a lot of times it'll be in a very joking manner that they'll slowly undermine you and make you twist your thoughts of yourself and to degrade you. And oftentimes even in in
2: group settings or friendship settings, someone can do something that is essentially gaslighting you and then they can say lighten up it's just a joke. Yes. And then you feel silly, right? Like because you feel you like took you're it personally,
1: overreacting, you're yeah. being too sensitive. Exactly. Number 5 is blocking and diverting the victim's attention from outside sources, which something for me, I remember especially being friends with you, that guy would always be like, this is Keegan talking, this is Keegan talking, and I'm like, no, I'm actually saying what I feel. Right. But he would try to keep me away from a lot of those people that he knew that I would have actual real right. conversations with that would help me see things Because clearly. you need a
2: check with reality, which is another thing about the movie Gaslight, where at the end, the um, police come in, and they say, these lamps are dim. and like, Yeah. So you do. You need an outside and it's like an epiphany. person yeah. to tell you, like this is a thing
1: that is happening. They need to, you need to be validated. Yeah. Number six is trivializing the victim's worth. Number seven is undermining the victim by gradually weakening them and their thought processes. So that's kind of what we've already spoken about as well. It's like, as you repeat something over and over again, you're weakening what they believe to be true because of pieces of reality that are then turning into something completely different. So some common methods of gaslighting are hiding, The abuser may hide things from the victim to cover up what they have done. Instead of feeling ashamed, the abuser may convince the victim to doubt their own beliefs about the situation and turn the blame to themselves. Number two is changing. The abuser feels the need to change and have power over the victim. Whether it be the way the victim dresses or acts, they want the victim to mold their fantasy. If the victim does not comply, the abuser may convince the victim that he or she is in fact not good enough. Number three, of course, is control. The abuser may want to fully control and have power over the victim. With such quotes as, you know, like, if you are Like, this is something that's happened to me where I would text someone and say, Hey, what are you up to? Like, why are you checking in on me? Why are you so paranoid? Why sure. do you need to know what I'm doing? Things like that. So, philosopher Kate Abramson says the act of gaslighting is not specifically tied to being sexist, which I'm kind of like okay. Well, it's not because it
2: can happen to either sex, and it does. It does, but it is more likely to happen to women and to minorities, which is something that we'll talk about in a bit.
1: Yes. And um, like you said, the percentage of women who are gaslit is much higher than the percentage of men who are gaslit. She explains this as a result of conditioning. She says, It's part of the structure or sexism that women are supposed to be less confident to doubt our views, beliefs, reactions, and perceptions more than men. And gaslighting is aimed at undermining someone's views, beliefs, reactions, and perceptions. The sexist norm of self-doubt in all its forms prepares us for just that. She goes on to say that the final stage of gaslighting is severe, major clinical depression. It does, it eventually, like in the movie Gaslight, will drive you insane.
2: Yes, it will. Yeah, because nothing is what you know to be. reality you're being told constantly is not reality yeah and then you believe
1: that you're sick too
2: yes i mean and we covered a lot of this in our crazy women episode yeah he
1: even in gregory in the movie even says don't be hysterical yeah
2: (gasps) hysteria yeah (gasps) gasp um so i just want to continue on with like uh, so here are some warning signs that i got from psychology today you've already touched on some of them but if you are wondering whether or not your partner might be a gaslighter, here are some warning signs. One, they tell blatant lies. And some of these are going to sound familiar for our president, but <laughs> they tell blatant lies. You know it's an outright lie, yet they are telling you this lie with a straight face. Why are they so blatant? Because when someone blatantly lies to your face... You believe when it? Y- you can. Sometimes you can because you know they're lying to you. But if someone says something with enough confidence... And you're like, you're lying. And they're like, no, I'm not. Yeah. It does make you question, am I crazy? Am, did I misread this situation? Yeah. Like,
1: what, what happened here that they can so blatantly, to my face, lie to me, right? Yeah, you believe that if you've missed something so obvious... That they clearly fully understand that maybe they you missed something. It's right. you. Yeah.
2: And um, this says, because they're setting up a precedent, once you tell a huge lie, you're not sure if anything they say is true. Keeping you unsteady and off kilter is the goal. Because then you're not sure if what they've said is true and you're wrong or you know they're wrong, but they're saying it so truthfully And then you don't know if anything they ever say is true or not, or if you are misperceiving things. Um, Two, they deny they ever said something, even though you have proof. Yeah. You know they said they would do something. You know you heard it, but but they out and out deny it. It makes you start questioning your reality. Maybe they never said that thing. And the more they do this, the more you question your reality and start accepting theirs. Three, they use what is near and dear to you as ammunition. They know how important your kids are to you, so they know how important your identity is to you. So... Those may be the first things they use to attack you. If you have kids, they tell you that you should not want to have those children. They tell you you'd be a worthy person if you didn't have a long list of negative traits. That's a big one where like, oh, if only you weren't like this or like that, you would be so great. Yeah, and then Um, you want
1: to change those things about yourself to meet their expectations. They attack
2: the foundation of who you are. They wear you down over time. This is one of the insidious things about gaslighting. It is done gradually over time. A lie here, a lie there, a snide comment every so often, and then it starts ramping up. Even the brightest, most self-aware people can be sucked into gaslighting. It is that effective. It's the frog in the frying pan analogy. Mm-hmm. It's it's slowly boiling over over a period of time until you feel like you can't get out. I mean, just like most domestic violence situations.
1: Exactly. Um,
2: their actions do not match their words. They throw in positive reinforcement to yep. confuse you, um,
1: or to make you trust them more.
2: Right. They project their own issues. If they're cheating, they might they might flip it on you you're and cheating. say, "Well, you know, I saw you with someone else, and yeah. maybe you're cheating." Yeah a lot of these are very common hallmarks of domestic violence. And in fact, according to the National Domestic Violence Hotline, about 80% of people who call in have experienced some type of mental health coercion. And on their website, they actually list symptoms of gaslighting, which is a little different from warning signs. And so, it's it's things that if you find yourself experiencing these things in a relationship, you might need to question whether or not you are being mentally abused or yes. gaslit. Yeah. So these things are constant second guessing yourself feelings of confusion, asking yourself if you're being too sensitive multiple times a day, constantly apologizing to your gaslighter, constantly excusing your gaslighter's behavior or withholding information from friends so you won't have to make excuses, a feeling like you can't quite articulate that something is wrong, telling lies to avoid getting put down or having the rug pulled from underneath you, having a hard time making decisions, Feeling like you used to be more confident and relaxed as a person. Feeling like you can't do anything right. And feeling like you're constantly letting your partner down. Yeah. So if you feel like those are things that are in within your relationship that you are feeling constantly, yeah. just know that's not normal. Most likely, you are being emotionally, mentally manipulated. Yeah. Like, that's what's
1: happening. So with that, let's talk a little bit about gaslighting and psychiatry in a 1981 article entitled Some Clinical Consequences of Introjection Gaslighting interjection and gaslighting caliph weinshell argues that gaslighting involves the projection and interjection of psychic conflicts from the perpetrator to the victim so just for some clarity projection is a defense mechanism in which the human ego defends itself against unconscious impulses or qualities by denying their existence in themselves while attributing them to others and interjection is the unconscious adoption of the ideas or attitudes of others so basically victims may have a tendency to incorporate and assimilate what others externalize and project onto them, which is what you were just discussing. Right. And if it's told to you enough times on the external, you will start to internalize it and believe it yourself yes. and it will become true. So
2: interjection was the term he used to explain the transfer of psychic conflicts, which sounds complicated, but it's mm-hmm. really uh, exactly what you said, that one person externalize, externalizes and projects, while the other person incorporates and assimilates. Uh, in any given interaction, which, again, can happen to anyone. So I don't want to say that this is strictly a problem that happens to women. But because of traditional gender roles, women have been more socialized to absorb conflict rather than create it. So when you have a male-female partnership more often than not, it is going to be the woman who incorporates and assimilates and the man who projects.
1: Yeah, and I believe that there are also a lot of people who grow up in that kind of culture where they are susceptible to it. So when it comes to a man who is being gaslit, I feel like a lot of times, and I'm I'm not an expert, I don't know, but I could see where a child growing up in a home where they are constantly taught to question what they believe is right and wrong. If you're maybe growing up in an abusive home, if you're growing up without a lot of stability in your home. Sure. Yeah. You tend to take on, I feel like kids a lot of times, like with divorced parents, tend to take on a lot. Sure. So because you're used to catering to and um, taking in a lot of things for yourself, when you're in a romantic partnership or if you're in the workplace and you're out in the world and these people are doing this to you, your instinct is then still going to be to internalize. Absolutely. All the that are if you, to you have been raised with
2: a lot of conflict mm-hmm. and your way of dealing with this conflict has kind of been as someone who I feel like, you know, the older I've gotten the more I've stood up for myself and become less this way, but I grew up very much as a peacekeeper and a people yeah. pleaser. Like that's the way
1: that I grew up. If it's going to make if it's going to make things easier right. to for this just the situation to go away, you're just gonna be like, okay, you're right, move on. That right. Kind of can thing. we
2: just get along? So yeah. I'm I, I will be more willing to just accept something. Yeah. But the problem with that, whereas like it does have its benefits in, in some aspects of my life, yeah. the problem with that is that you are more likely to end up being gaslit because you are more likely to think maybe perhaps it is me. You know what? If I can just modify my behavior to make this easier to make this the path of least resistance. I'm going to do that. And before you know it, and I've definitely been in that position where before you know it, you are being fully gaslit and you have to completely take a step back and be like, wait a second. Yeah. I'm not always in the wrong. I cannot be always in the wrong. I cannot be always crazy. Yeah. You know, because I've definitely been in positions in relationships where I will start out completely in the right in an argument and then by the end of it i'm apologizing yeah you know and i look back on that now and i say oh my gosh i was gaslit into believing that i was wrong yeah and i'm far less likely to do that now
1: exactly exactly Mm -hmm. uh there's a woman named hildy linderman who is a philosophy professor and biochemist she adds that women in particular um their ability to resist manipulation depends on, quote, her ability to trust her own judgments, which to me sounds like someone younger who is still figuring out who they are and would more easily be manipulated. I mean, I I think a lot of times in partnerships that, like, it's all about the imbalance of power. All of this is. And so when it comes to somebody, like we were saying, like a child, like someone who's younger in the relationship, Mm -hmm. things like that, there are times where the person in the position of power will abuse their power. And in turn, like she's saying, especially with women tend to distrust their own judgments more than men.
2: Absolutely. I I definitely agree with that. And, you know, with that said, I kind of want to talk about something a little bit unusual. Please do. Because, of course, when we talk about gaslighting, we are usually talking about um, romantic relationships, and then if we're not talking about that, we're talking about other imbalances of power, like parent-child or um, you know, boss to, to worker kind of relationships. But I came across a couple of sources that were talking about how not only to do with Donald Trump, but just in general, how this is happening on a national scale, especially within the United States. That's what we can speak on because we are from here. But that it is happening on a national scale. And when I read this, I so closely related to it because they talked about how we often say we often see people saying that racism doesn't exist or it isn't a big deal. Meanwhile me a woman and a person of color in this country am experiencing it and i am seeing it and yet i am constantly being told that i am being overly sensitive that i'm making everything about race that i'm exaggerating the things that i am seeing or feeling or experiencing um, and that it doesn't exist and this is happening on a national scale and it is like you are gaslighting an entire community, you know, whether that be, um, people of color or people in the LGBTQ community into believing that we are in a post-racial society and this isn't really happening. And if you are reacting to it, it's because you are being way too sensitive. Exactly. You know, and I feel
1: like it's like a lot of cult mentality too.
2: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, it's, it's hard when people insist that we are living in an equal nation when we know that to be false. Yeah. And it is a form of gaslighting on a grand scale. And as we've said, women are more likely than men to be gaslit. P- minorities are more likely than white people to be gaslit as yes. well into believing that your feelings of inequality are invalid. Yeah. And that happens all the time and that's something that I never really thought of as a form of gaslighting but it absolutely
1: it 100% is it absolutely is. is it really really is uh, there's a quote by Brian Welch who wrote a book called State of Confusion Political Manipulation and the Assault of the, Mar- the American Mind where he talks about gaslighting within the past few decades he says, to say gaslighting started with the Bushes, Lee Atwater, Karl Rove, Fox News, or any other extent, extant group is not simply wrong. It also misses an important point. Gaslighting comes directly from blending modern communications, marketing, and advertising techniques with long-standing methods of propaganda. They were simply waiting to be discovered by those with sufficient ambition and psychological makeup to use them. Which to me sounds like most politicians... Most cult leaders, Mm -hmm. um, anybody who wants to affect the masses, we can't. Especially in politics, we can't pinpoint it on one current political person or experience. It's been happening forever, and it's been happening by through more examples than just Donald Trump. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it's.
2: It's really difficult to not talk about Donald Trump in this episode just because what he is doing is probably the most blatant form.
1: Yes, of, and it's fresh in our minds.
2: Yes, but I mean, it's, it's so blatant that it's very, very difficult not to constantly be pointing out. I, mean, I do think it's important to touch on because I have never... In my young life, and maybe it's just because Donald Trump, quote, doesn't play the game or whatever because he's not a politician or whatever. (laughs) Um, I'm using scare quotes through that entire thing. But um, maybe that's what it is. But I have never in my life seen a politician be more blatant Mm -hmm. about literally saying something and then turning around and saying, I didn't say that thing. Yeah, like saying, send her back.
1: And then saying, I don't have a racist bone in my body.
2: Right. Or, I mean, even more blatant than that, he will literally say a thing, you know. Literally, he will say something word for word. Yeah. And then two weeks later, he will go on Fox News and say, I would never have said that. I never said that. Yeah. And it's like, we can literally go pull that clip and play it for you. Yeah. No, no, We can go pull it. We can play it for your followers. And yet... They will see it differently. They will see it differently. And it is the most bizarre... That's how you know that this is such a... (laughs) It's such a strange form of psychological manipulation. Whenever you can have actual, physical, verifiable proof... Yeah. And it doesn't matter.
1: Yeah. It doesn't matter. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about gaslighting in the workplace. We touched on it already a bit. But it occurs when people do things that cause colleagues to question themselves, their actions, in a way that is detrimental to their careers. The victims may be excluded, made subject to gossip, persistently discredited or questioned to destroy their confidence. The perpetrator may divert conversations to perceived faults or wrongs of the victim. Gaslighting can be committed by anyone and can be affected by Any person, especially when it comes to, like I've said a thousand times in this episode, a position
2: of power. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. And I see that you have some things there um, that go into media. So I'm going to go ahead and start with, for me, probably my earliest recognition of what I now know to be gaslighting in an untraditional scale. Um, which would be Hans Christian Andersen's The Emperor's New Clothes. Yes! So, The Emperor's New Clothes, looking back as an adult, knowing things that I know now, is definitely a form of gaslighting. So I know
1: things now. Sorry.
2: (laughs) Into the woods. If you um, are not familiar with or didn't read The Emperor's New Clothes, I feel like we grew up at a time in the 90s when that story was like, definitely everywhere. Yeah, it was in every
1: every storybook. Yeah, and I I don't hear it as much anymore,
2: but, um, Hans Christian Andersen did write a fable of sorts about an emperor who was obsessed with fashion and he always wanted to be wearing the finest things, and some grifters came into town and they said, Oh, this is the finest um fabric you've ever seen. Yeah. And it really they there it was invisible. It was nothing. That only that people I can't remember exactly what they said, but only people who were like wise and true of heart could like see the fabric. Yes. And so the emperor didn't want it to come across that he, he was wasn't. stupid or or you know not pure of heart so he said oh yeah what beautiful fabric and so they pretended to sew him a, a, a wonderful garment and then everyone he showed it to none of them wanted to be perceived as stupid either so they all were like yes beautiful amazing yeah. and so he ended up at the end of the book going through like his own processional or parade or whatever completely naked because yep. no one <laughs> wanted to admit they were all completely gas Slit by yeah. these grifters into believing that what was in front of them didn't exist. He naked. Right. Um, and so for me, that was probably the very first. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, that was probably the first like instance of gaslighting in the media yeah. that I can think of.
1: Yeah, if you look up Gaslighting in the Media, the first thing that's going to show up is obviously the 1944 movie Gaslight. Yes. But the other one that comes up a lot is Girl on the Train. Yes. So I started reading the book, and I never finished it, and then I watched the movie, and then I believe I did finish the book. But I did watch the movie. I, I liked the book. The movie was meh. It had a lot of plot holes, and yeah. that's part of the thing that I think a lot of people looked over the abuse that was being portrayed in the movie and focused more on the plot holes and the storytelling. Because... With anything, whenever you take a book and turn it into a movie, you're going to be missing a lot of things. It's hard to put... Especially when it's something so psychological, it can be hard to tie all of it together. It's a difficult task. The
2: book did something really interesting that I think is important to touch on. The movie tried to do it, but the book was more successful in that it paired psychological abuse and gaslighting with substance
0: abuse
1: yes which is something that does actually happen exactly and that's the first thing that i kind of wanted to talk about so i read an article where they speak with domestic violence counselor alicia prescott and she explains why the girl on the train is important for women at the time so this article is based only on the movie she has not read the book but she did see the movie okay She says most of what happens in The Girl on the Train is emotional abuse and emotional manipulation, which most people wouldn't even think of as emotional abuse. Many... Many critics online, like I said, miss the abuse entirely, only focusing on plot holes and commenting on the storyline. There are thousands of women like the character, Rachel, who turn up to alcoholic support groups, shamed and without hope, yet not realizing that they drink because because that is the only way to cope with years of abuse and gaslighting. And in fact, many counselors don't know the right questions to ask. And in reality, Rachel probably would've just been sent home with a drink diary and some book about mindfulness to work on her drinking, without getting to the root of the problem. Well, and very often, um, you know, doing my prep for this
2: episode, gaslighters will use something like a substance. If you already mm-hmm. have a tendency to lean on a substance, yeah. they will push you to lean further on that substance so that they can say things like, Oh well, you know this is just because you drink too much. Exactly. You're making and that things is shown up in the movie a lot. Yeah. You're making things up because you drink too much. You're blacking out, you're having false memories. None of this stuff is, is true. Real. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So actually if Addiction counselors have received appropriate domestic violence training and support techniques, even though a high number of female alcoholics have been affected by domestic violence. So, like what Keegan was just saying, if you're already um, prone to leaning on a certain substance when you're feeling a certain way, a a lot of the time a gaslighter will rely on that to get away with it. So, all the nights where Rachel blacked out and couldn't remember what she'd done, she would call her husband or her ex husband, his name is Tom, and he would remind her. And Rachel then tells her therapist that the things Tom would tell her doesn't sound like anything that she would do. She didn't feel connected to it. She didn't feel bad about any of it because she didn't... She was like, this can't be what I did. Right. And then everyone around you is saying,
2: well, you don't feel connected to it because you were drunk exactly. or like whatever. So even a therapist, mm-hmm.
1: even a friend, mm-hmm. they see that you're drinking. Right. They can turn it to be like, well, that happens. And when a gaslighter will absolutely use that against you. Yeah. So Rachel is made to believe that she has done horrible things. And the reason her husband left her was because she was a violent alcoholic. And I'm trying to remember exactly how the movie ends, but I know it's surrounding a murder, and she felt like she was in some way, didn't she feel that she was in some way um, responsible for that murder? I believe she feels,
2: I I can't remember, I I read the book and I saw the movie, but it's been a while. Um, I believe that she believes that she committed the murder or had something directly to do with it. Yes, and And then she
1: starts seeing fishy things in the house while mm -hmm. she's on the train, which gets her involved again, which makes her look crazy, which makes her look like she's obsessed, this Mm -hmm. crazy drunk. Right, right. And crazy then, woman. Women be crazy. crazy. Women be crazy. And what I love about the ending of that movie is I just remember finally seeing the husband for who he was and having these two women who have both been abused kind of come together Band and together. realize mm-hmm. that, yes, they have both been through this thing. And the new wife kind of realizing everything that the husband said about the ex wife isn't true. Well, and, and the so husband
2: on. is such a good example. So, yes, there's a lot of problems with the movie, sure. And there's probably problems with the book as well. But the husband character is such a great example of a gas lighter because he's doing that very classic thing that is turning his, ba- his bad behavior back on you.
1: Yes. Right? Like While acting like he cares about mm-hmm. you and that's why he's doing
2: it. I just watched What Lies Beneath because I, I had to watch it for um, My State. We were doing something for our patrons. What is that? Uh, what, what Lies Beneath is like a movie that came out in like 1999 or 2000. It's got um, Michelle Pfeiffer and uh, Harrison Ford and he does the same thing and he very blatantly at the end, okay, spoiler alert, but this movie came out a long time ago, but he very Blatantly, at the end, he had killed this one girl, and now he's going to kill Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah, and he explains to her how it was that girl's fault that he had to kill her. Yeah, and now it's Michelle's Pfeiffer's Michelle Pfeiffer's fault that he has to kill
1: her. I feel like that happens a lot with like murders against women, Absolutely. where men will feel like because we are women and we're whores and we're this that, and or the other you thing. behaved
2: this way, which made me have to do this Is thing. It,
1: is it John Wayne Gacy? No, Ed Ed Gein who did that. Whose mother like read to him like the Old Testament and things oh, like yes, that and yes, like yes. believed that all women were whores and... Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, a lot of
2: that. I mean, we were just having this conversation, and we will probably have a special episode at some point, maybe in October, about, like, women in horror movies, or we were talking about women in uh, Tarantino movies, where there's almost this glamorization of violence that happens for women. And a
1: deserving of violence Yes, you deserve
2: it because you did X, Y, Z. Or just because you're a fucking woman. And it leads to... Um, well I mean I think for gaslighters what they like to do is they like to justify it in some way. So yeah. because of your action, I have to do this like yes, extreme you're violence. Making me do right. This. You're making me do I this. I don't wanna do it. You're, you're making, me, making do me do this. You're making me do this. And so yeah. it's like a psychological mind fuck of like Am I... Did I do something that, like, made him do this to me? Yeah. And I feel like women who experience violence or sexual violence or sexual assault, they oftentimes feel that way. Did I do something that made him do this to me? Yes. Right? And um, I do think that that's a form of gaslighting.
1: Yeah. I think that it's very common through any sort of abusive situation. Um, It's common in ways, like it's good to know what gaslighting is because I feel like it happens to people more often than not like we made a joke before the episode that I was watching the movie Gaslight last night with my boyfriend Max he fell asleep he was snoring very loudly I took a video of it it was very funny and he wakes up and I was like you were sleeping and he's like no I'm not and then Keegan was like he gaslit you (laughs) it's just it's an interesting thing like it's not always a dangerous thing it is a very serious thing it is a dangerous thing but it's interesting to see those trends and how we Right, you can say rec- those things in real you, life.
2: Once you know it, you can recognize it as being this thing that's just like when someone tries to convince you that what you know to be true is not true. Yeah, like that—that's what that is. Something you know? as simple
1: as him not wanting to admit that he fell asleep during a movie. I'm just like, nah, boy. You I were know asleep. you did. I have revealed you your snores. It was very loud. Let's not have an argument about this.
2: <laughs> exactly. Um, so. I just want to touch briefly on a- another instance of this in the media. Yes. Um, because it was a movie, but it was also a real-life event that happened, and it is gaslighting on a different scale, not within a relationship uh, or a parent-child or anything like that, but from an authority figure such as law enforcement. Yes. And that would be... Changeling,
1: yeah. Did you ever see the movie Changeling? No, but I know the true story very okay, well. Okay, yes.
2: So uh, the movie is very good. So I,
1: I wanted to see it for a long time. The movie is very, very
2: good, but it is also a true story, which yeah. is the most mind-boggling thing of all time. It is. It only gets crazier. Like yeah. you hear the premise, and you're like, "That's as crazy as it can get." And then you hear the the what happened, Ba-da- and then you're like, "Oh no, that that gets way crazier." So. Yeah. Basically the story of Changeling is that this woman in the 1920s, she's played by Angelina Jolie in the movie, uh her son goes missing. She yes. can't find her son. And then a couple of weeks later, a couple months later, the police show up at her door and they're like, "Hey, guess what? Found your kid. Here's your kid." Have a great day. And Angela And like, Jolie's like, not my kid. Uh-uh. I know it's not my kid. The clothes don't fit him. It doesn't look like my kid. I know my son. This yeah. is not my son. And everyone around her, all of the police officials, because nobody wants to admit that they've royally fucked up this investigation, yeah. they would rather gaslight a woman... Convince her it's trying her Trying to convince her that this is her kid than admit that they fucked up. And so all of these police officials are saying you're crazy, you don't recognize your own kid, you yes. must be insane, uh, to the point where she is eventually institutionalized yes. because everyone around her is telling her that she's insane. Yes. Um. When, you know, if you guys, spoiler alert, want to know what happens at the end of that, it ended up being a serial killer who took her kid and murdered her child.
1: Yeah. Um. And was she was more, not crazy. There was a no... Yes, it was a, it was a... The chicken coop murders. I think it was. It's the ghost of Bobby Dunbar. I don't remember, but it's it's a
2: here great... in here in California it was the, the chicken coop murders. Yeah. Where there was like twenty remember. boys who were who were murdered.
1: No, this wasn't that then, but this is it was from the show This American Life. It's a it's like an hour long podcast about the ghost of Bobby Dunbar and it's very fascinating. It's a very similar story where again, the boy goes missing, a boy is returned to the mother. The family's like, this is not our son, so on and so forth. And they sent, they spend their lives. Right. I mean,
2: and, and that happens a lot. There's a, uh, or I guess not a lot, it's still a rare occurrence, but there is also a fascinating documentary called The Imposter. Which, if you've never seen it, um, it is very interesting, and it is about a family whose son went missing, and then several years later, a boy showed up, Mm -hmm. or, you know, the police called and was like, hey, this boy is claiming to be your son. Yeah. Um, He lived with them for a long time, and he was not, and you have interviews with him talking about why he did it, and that he, he knew he wasn't their kid, and you can see the parents being like we knew something was wrong but we, but we but wanted, wanted to believe, to believe that that yeah. was our child and he was saying that he was and the police said that he was and they were gaslit in yeah. some ways into believing that this was their kid Yeah. Um. so I mean I think it's honestly if someone is in a position of power above you I think it's very very easy to be convinced like if someone who you have been told your whole life you are supposed to trust yeah. is telling you this is the truth. Yeah. It would be very hard. It goes against a lot of what we are led to believe to stop and say, no. No. You're wrong. Yeah. Like it would be very hard. We're we're hardwired in a lot of ways socially not to do that. Yeah. So it, it is an interesting thing. It is an interesting thing. Hey. Yeah. So That went
1: faster than I thought it, it, it would. It did.
2: It did. And um I do want to say that we probably should have given a trigger warning at the top of this episode. Yeah, oh, we can add. Uh, to, to say that we are dealing with really difficult subject matter. Yes. Um, but if uh, you feel like this is something you may be struggling with, I am going to include a link to the Domestic Violence Hotline in our show notes. Very good idea. Uh, Reach out to them if this is something that you are experiencing. Also, know, because I know we have a lot of young listeners, actually. Like, a lot of our listeners are teenage girls. If you are new to a relationship, because I know that that's when it happened to me. I know that that's when it happened to you when Mm -hmm. we were young. um, That if you are experiencing this stuff, it is not normal. Mm-mm. The person who is doing it to you is abusing you. I understand it doesn't feel like that, and it feels more nuanced and more like a gray area and when you you're... feel like
1: you know them.
2: When you're in this situation, but just know that this behavior is not normal. And if you're feeling like this day in and day out, it will wear you down and you should try and seek help as soon as possible.
1: Exactly. Thank you, Keegan. Alright, you guys, I really hope that you enjoyed this episode. I really enjoyed researching it. I enjoyed talking about it with Keegan. If you have any responses to this episode, if you have any sister solidarity stories, we can still take in coming out stories if you'd like to send them in. Anything that you want to reach out to us with, go ahead and email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com. You can also reach out to us on Instagram and follow us there. We are at Angry Neighborhood Feminist. Check us out on Twitter where we sometimes hang out at Yamp Podcast. Y-A-N-F. Y-A-N-F podcast. You can also get us on facebook we have a business and a group page go ahead and rate and review us on our business page that'd be super cool even cooler is rating and reviewing us on apple podcasts we love it so much we also love it when you listen to us on radio public it's a free way for you to listen and it helps us out just a little bit i think that's all we've got for today yeah so with all that being said we encourage you to, to rage, rage on, on. bye